I stumbled upon the architect versus the craftsman mindset. You need to be two person at once. So you need to set up some goals, what you want to achieve, what you want to do, how you want your life to be. And once those goals are established, you work on those goals and nothing else. You're the craftsman. So you just need to build the plans that the architect gave you. And it really allowed me to focus on 3GS to learn web pro and get to know what and so on. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Webflail. I'm your host, Jack, your failure connoisseur, and today my guest is Mael Ruffini. If you're listening to this podcast, you know him because he works at Tambien Studio, right? You may have seen him at the Barcelona meetup, which is where I actually met him for the first time, where Tambien Studio presented some of their beautiful work. But, you know, Tambien Studio, characterized by its beautiful large images, GSAP animations, and sans-serif fonts. But uh, Mael Ruffini is the kind of secret source, I feel, of the studio. You know, he's quiet, he's very, very articulate, as you're about to hear. And he's also the kind of person that takes a design from, yeah, it's good, to, whoa... Um, because of his technical ability that he's learned with GSAP, WebGL, and 3JS. So, the failures that we'll talk about today are the failure to not be able to focus on one thing at a time, not having enough self-confidence, and the inability to create content consistently and be visible on social media. So, embrace and learn from failure in episode 53 of Webflail with Mael Ruffini. Mael, welcome to the Webflail podcast. <laughs> wow. Hey man, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to talk to you. And actually, I was really curious to know if you were doing these intro live. That's really impressive. Really, oh, really thanks, man. Yeah, well, I do the intro lives, but I normally mess them up. So then I need to you know, redo them afterwards, to be honest, because I'm not always nailing them. But when it goes well, it's great. But let's talk a little bit about your past, because I think a lot of people look at you now and they're like, this guy, he's making YouTube tutorials, sharing GSAP animation knowledge. But how did you come to acquire what you know now? Actually, Working at Tambien is my first job as a designer and front-end developer. So there's not really much past. A lot of things I learned over the last couple of years, I learned them live, doing these tutorials, working on projects that we're sharing with Tambien. So yeah, not a lot of history there. I'm quite recent to the Webflow game, if I can say that. I've just been really passionate about it, and I've always wanted to replicate what I saw online, try to build the thing that Alex was designing because I had the luck to get amazing design to build. So I just wanted to be able to do that and to bring some value to the studio and to to Alex so we could uh, grow the studio together. Yeah, and I saw that you did a recent LinkedIn post about this where you said how lucky you were to work with with Alex and, and Ballerine. The, the tiny powerhouse of a studio that is Tambien. I mean, you guys punch above your weight, I feel. <laughs> so it must be really exciting to be part of such a small team, but doing award-winning work. Yeah. What's funny is that when I think back about my first 
Yara también, we were actually still doing some, I don't want to say small work, but we were doing some small project working with uh, local clients. I, I don't know how Alex did that, but he managed to book some amazing clients and I, I don't even know how he does that. Uh, yeah, about that post you were talking about, yeah, what I was saying was actually that I tried freelancing before working at Tambien and it was horrible. I was not skilled enough, I think. I couldn't find clients. I didn't know how to do. It was a mess. And I had the luck to join Tambien. And Alex was, I don't know, five, ten years ahead of me. So I had the luck to, to see him grow studio, see how he thinks. And yeah, it was amazing. See, that's a really interesting point there. Because I think you are someone that's very, very good at doing the dev, right? Like you're very good at doing the fine details thinking about how can we take this from something that's good to something that's great with little touches with animation and if anyone hasn't actually seen Miles work like go to the Tambien Studio website go to the Tambien Studio YouTube channel and there is just the most incredibly powerful animations that are like sprinkled throughout the work and I'm sure Alex you know he he's an incredible designer but you're actually the one that turns these ideas into into the the visuals on the website so you know a lot of that work is miles work getting clients and then doing the work are two very different things and can you tell me a little bit about you know you as a freelancer like why you chose not to freelance i mean it sounds like you had a difficult time but talk to us a little bit about your decision to work for a studio rather than to freelance i don't think it was really a choice man to be to be honest to, to give you a little backstory, when I finished high school, as a lot of young men, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did, I think what most people do is work at restaurants. And I did that for a few years and I know you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I stalked you on LinkedIn. You are a chef du rang, which I don't know what that means, but... Oh, it's a glorified waiter, basically. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I did that for a few years and... Uh, Actually, it was great. I mean, I, I learned a lot of things. I think young people should really try and work in an hospitality business. You can gonna learn a lot of things, a lot of soft skills. You're going to meet a lot of great people. So do that. But one day you will get sick of it. I, I guess. I, I know. I got tired <laughs> over the years. Yeah, I don't know about you, but... Uh, yeah. Well, I've been fired from about five hospitality jobs, so... Again, it wasn't really it wasn't really a decision, but it was kind of the decision made for me because I dropped so many drinks on people and I forgot orders and I was rubbish. But anyway, let's talk about you. So you were doing waitering and then you were like, Okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Then So what I did is that I found a school where I could get a degree while working at the restaurant where I was working because I didn't want to go back to school lose my, my salary and so on. So I did both. And it was actually during COVID, so we had the lockdown. And everything shut down in Paris, so I was out of job. And my goal was to get some clients during the lockdown, win some money, and just start working as, at the time, a web designer. So doing web design and web development. And yeah, as I said, I was terrible at it. I tried a lot of things. I spent a lot of time trying to learn marketing, communication, and so on, which was useful at the end, but it didn't get me a lot of clients. So so yeah, so anyway, I was listening to a ton of podcasts, trying to see how do people get clients? How do they 
do that. And I found a podcast episode where Alex was talking about his activity. And it blew my mind. I was thinking, fuck, this man is doing exactly what I want to do. He has a successful studio. He's doing ground designs, designing websites. He's developing. It was my dream job. And so I started following him on YouTube, LinkedIn, and so on. And one day he posted something on LinkedIn saying he was looking for a YouTube editor at the time. He was looking for an intern to edit his YouTube video. So I, that's kind of funny, but I was so desperate at the time that I'm, I, I don't know. I, I thought, oh, so many people are going to apply to this job. I mean, it's the dream job. It's a remote job. You're going to learn from Alex. You're the first employee. It's, it's amazing. So what I did is that I did a video where I recorded a video myself. I edited it like part one, who am I, part two, what can I do for you, part three, and so on and so on. And yeah, that's how I got the job. Dude, that's the coolest story. I did not know that. So you were actually were like, I want to be a web designer. But then you were like, I've got this opportunity. And yeah, he needs a video editor. And no, I don't know how to video edit, but I'm going to learn. And then you just took the initiative and made videos for him to apply for a job. That's so cool. It's kind of a sneaky movie. I'm saying, look, I can edit a video. And yeah, at the back of my mind, I was hoping that once I'm in, I can show him that I can develop a website, I can do this and that, and climb, you know, get some development work over the time. And that's exactly what happened. So that was a great plan. Dude, that's so cool. Just for anyone that's listening, I think that's a really important thing to talk about, though, because a lot of the time, you know, if you go to like Webflow job boards and stuff, there are so many people applying. Like, it's insane, right? There's plenty of there's a lot of webflow work out there but right now there are more and more you know webflowers that are trying to get agency work which makes sense you know you're going to learn loads and stuff like that but to do something where you take the initiative you actually build a website as part of your application or you do something slightly different like that you are instantly stepping above the rest of the competition even if you do not have the skill set required for that job necessarily. Like, you didn't have the video editing skills to get a video editor job, but the fact that you edited a series where you introduce yourself and stuff, suddenly Alex is like, oh my God, this guy. Like, wow, I want to work with him. Like, that's so powerful. So if you're applying for jobs and not getting anywhere, think outside the box. You know, why not? You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain important point there and then you got the job obviously and then you then you actually did say to alex hey you know i'm actually kind of interested in web design and web dev as well as video editing so let's you know maybe i can help out on a couple of projects or whatever and then you learned from him and grew is that kind of how it happened yeah uh, i don't really remember exactly how things happened but it was very natural I started editing videos as planned, and I remember that at the time he was also redesigning the Tambien newsletter. So my first kind of design job was to design the newsletter. So I did that, then built it in Mailchimp, so everything went well. So then he had a small project, he didn't have some time, so he said, oh, all right, maybe you can do that, and I will teach you, supervise you, and see how everything goes. And uh, yeah, from there, I started doing some web product. And then you just learned? And it sounds like you were very, very interested in YouTube and learned a lot from different YouTube tutorials. And that's how you became really good at GSAP and other things. So 
Well, I started doing more and more development work because I sucked at design. That's what happened. I first Alex <laughs> asked me to design some websites. So I actually did uh, two websites for Tambien. It was a long time ago and we didn't talk about it. But they were okay, but it was taking me so much time. And Alex was so much better than me at designing websites that naturally he started doing the design work and he, said, he asked me to do the developments. And from then, I wasn't really passionate about it at the time. I was wondering what is, what is the value I can bring to the studio so that Alex keeps me after my, my internship. And at the moment, it was yeah, development. Yeah, yeah. So I started to yeah learn uh, to develop websites. And the thing is that if you want to add value to someone, you need to add this unique thing you can bring there. So I started diving into 3GS, then GSAP, then custom animations. And, and yeah, that's what we did. And... Then you dropped your portfolio, which is wild. Guys, if you have not checked out Wales portfolio, it is crazy. It's like it's like inception. You know, you just land and you're in this room and you can pan around and see different work. It's so cool. But I just want to highlight something you just said there. Work out how you can provide value to your employer. Now, one thing that I think a lot of people do, and I've noticed this because I've worked in some full-time jobs, I've done some freelancing, whatever, is that a lot of the time people just do the job that they're asked, which is fine, which is fine because you're doing the job that you're asked, right? But if you're working for a small studio like Tambien and you notice that your boss doesn't have time to do the newsletter or isn't as good at dev as they are at design or something and you learn those skill sets in order to fill those gaps you are suddenly so much more valuable and you'll be given more responsibility and you'll learn so much faster so spot the gaps and fill the gaps and you will be rewarded and given so much more because I think that's something that's so powerful and not talked about enough you'll become so much better at Webflow if you can do that. Would you agree with that, Mayel? Yeah, for sure. Maybe the thing as well, to be fair, I think the environment must be the right one. I was very lucky that Alex wanted me to improve. Alex was trusting me as well. So it was very easy for me to take initiatives, try new things and, and evolve because I know that some people are in a, a company that won't let them do that so yeah i was lucky enough to be with alex which is uh, really cool and really supportive yeah i mean he is the kind of guy that's like hey you want to explore that go for it so that that is a that is a very fair point but i think just taking the initiative will give you leaps and bounds of you know momentum in the webflow space and it sounds like you know you realize 3gs and gsap were things that could just completely level up Tambien Studios websites and then you just took the initiative to learn that learn those those skill sets and now Tambien Studio is winning awards left right and center and and it's it's awesome awesome to see so sky's the limit speaking of I'm intrigued what is next for Tambien Studio and and you know can you give us a little bit of an insight into what is season two for Tambien? Because I saw a, a video online about what's coming, but just if for anyone that hasn't seen that video, what is coming for Tambien? Yeah, so Alex posted a video, I think yesterday or a couple of days ago, saying that season two was starting. And what he meant by that is that we, until now, we've been trying to focus on a really creative work, doing showcase websites. And this is really cool, but not all the clients we attract want that. And sometimes it's a bit frustrating for us to try and do something really creative when the client actually 
doesn't need that. And um, the goal for Tambien is to start doing some e-commerce websites and try to expand a bit what we do and to step out a bit of our comfort zone because I think that even though we could still improve doing what we do at the moment, we need to try and see if we can touch a new market, do something new. And uh, yeah, so e-commerce. E yeah, really, really exciting. E-commerce with a, with a Tambien touch, though, I'm sure. Very, very exciting. So... Are you ready to now talk about your failures? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You ready for a bit of therapy? So tell me about failure number one. The failure to not be able to focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's also a reason why I couldn't find my way after high school is that I was interested in everything at the same time. And it actually followed me until now. And sometimes it's really hard, but I chose to see that as a trend because as we were talking about the fact that I made a video for Alex I was able to do that video because before that as I said I was trying to learn some marketing some communication some growth hacking I was interested in photography and to be fair I was good at nothing that's the issue when you're when you're trying to to be good at everything you end up sucking at everything so yeah that's really an issue for me but first I chose to see that as a strength because it's allowed me to touch different subjects. Yeah, you can, yeah, explore, follow your nose. Yeah, exactly. But I stumbled upon a really cool concept that was the architect versus the craftsman mindset. And basically, it's you need to be two percent at once. So you need to set up some goals, really think about what you want to achieve, what you want to do, how you want your life to be. Really think about, uh, yeah, where you want to go, set some goals. And once those goals are established, you work on those goals and nothing else. And even if you have new ideas, if you want to explore something else, it doesn't matter because now you're not the architect anymore. You're the craftsman. So you just need to build the plans that the architect gave you. And it really allowed me to focus on 3GS when I learned 3GS to learn WebPro and so on. So yeah, that's what I can maybe suggest to people. Wow, that's such a fundamental idea. So basically... There's this, I think this would really help people who are maybe like distracted a lot of the time is to, is to create an architect's mindset where it's like, okay, here's the blueprint. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the timeline that we're going to do it in. And we're not going to get distracted for at least this amount of time or until this goal has been reached. And then to follow that through. And I completely agree. When you give it some kind of time frame to do that in, it gives you a sense of peace because you're like, I know what I need to do. I just need to do it now. Just to push back, though, just intrigued about this idea. Have you heard about this? I read this interesting story about a, a teacher who got half the class. It was, a, it was like a pottery class. And he got half the class to basically make one piece of pottery. Right. So they had they had a whole semester to just do that one piece of work and it was meant to be perfect. Right. So they just wanted to focus on that one thing. And then they got the other half of the class to make. They were judged on how many pieces of pottery they could make within that semester. So they were just churning out pottery and then the other half were like perfecting this one vase or whatever. And then at the end of the semester, the teacher said, OK, 
we're going to judge your work. So, you know, the half of the class that had the most beautiful, like single piece of work was, you know, they were amazing and great. And then he looked at the other people, the other half of the class that had done as much work as they could. And actually the quality of the work that was being done by the people that were doing as much work as possible was actually higher than the people that were just trying to do one perfect bit of work because they'd really learned the craft because they'd done loads and loads and loads of work over the same space of time. And I think that's kind of an interesting idea because you just said, let's just focus on, you know, one thing over a short amount of uh, over a set period of time and really really focus on that but i can't help feeling that maybe your time doing all these different things you know that's valuable in of itself maybe i think it's an interesting way of looking at it i see your point and it's really interesting i guess it's all about nuance you need to be curious enough to learn new things but you need to be disciplined enough and strict enough with yourself to be able to finish those, let's say, 100 days or something. Because let's say I keep learning new things, I'll be ending doing one thing of each. So I, I still, I won't spend the time learning how to do the perfect vase. I just do one quickly and then move on to something else. So maybe it's interesting because someday I will have to do a vase again, but yeah, I'll be still mediocre, so... I don't know. Yeah. No, it's just an interesting idea because um, I'm very interested in goals as well. I think the idea of process-based goals is a lot stronger than outcome-based goals, right? So you know when people say, I want to build a million-dollar agency or something. It's like, okay, but you probably do that far quicker and be more motivated and everything. Like everything would be better, in, in my opinion, if you were to focus on doing a website every week for a year or something and i'm sure at the end of that year you know from focusing on the process-based goals all sorts of amazing things would happen down down the line but if you focus on the immediate present and what can i do in the present and how can i do that sustainably over a long period i think that for me has worked wonders with the podcast because i was like okay I'm just going to do an episode every week, one a week. That's my plan. That's my minimum requirement. And that's really helped me have kind of consistency and stay sane because <laughs> I'm just focusing on the thing that's right in front of me. Oh, no, I, I completely agree. And it's much more rewarding as well because even though you don't have a million dollars at the end of the, the year, you still achieved your goal, which was to build a website a week so you can still be kind of proud of, proud of yourself. So, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Let's talk about failure number two then. So, not having enough self-confidence. Tell me about that. Yeah, something that we see a lot, I think, on social media, on LinkedIn, Twitter. Like, you see everyone talking about the imposter syndrome, trying to motivate themselves. I find that sometimes when you feel like an imposter, it's just that you're just one, actually. Uh, sometimes you're not good enough. And I think what's helped me over the years is not to 
tell myself that I was good enough, that I were, could do this and telling myself affirmations every morning, but it was working through it. So let's say I don't feel confident enough to take a freelance project or to, I don't know, start a podcast or whatever. I'm not going to try to convince myself that I can do it because I'm the best. I'm going to try to see what skills I'm lacking at the moment, get them, and confidence is going to build itself from there. So really simple advice, maybe it's maybe common sense, I don't know, but I think sometimes the common sense advice is the most important advice to to not to not just listen to but to hear. Because there's a lot of quite similar advice on this on this podcast, I think. You know, it's not necessarily like we're reinventing the wheel. And I've heard other people, other guests on the podcast say the same thing. Chisam Igwe, in fact, in episode fifty one, she literally said, like, sometimes you're an imposter. Sometimes you do not have the skill sets to be doing what you're doing and you might feel insecure about that because you don't have those skill sets and you might literally be an imposter in in some respect, but that's fine, except that you do not have those skill sets and then work on them and then you will not feel like an imposter and then confidence will come from the experience of actually doing that thing. So I think that's really important to say, like, if you feel like, Ah, oh, God, I don't really know how to do like a sales call with a client. Success leaves clues. Go and read people who are good at sales calls. Go and watch YouTube videos. Go and ask people. Go and sit in the room of someone who's uh, doing a sales call. Maybe like, you know, if Alex is doing a sales call or someone in your agency that you're working with is, is good at sales, just say, hey, can I just join the Zoom call on mute or come to the meeting or whatever? You know, there are plenty of ways that you can plug those gaps. So thank you for saying something that may be obvious, but it's important to say for sure. A hundred percent. And can I ask you as well, like, does imposter syndrome go away? You're now an award-winning webflower. You know, you've won awards. You're working with Alex. You're working with Ballerine. Why do you have imposter syndrome? Like, how could, you know, did, does it does it go away? No, and that's actually really interesting. Uh, I I think it's a great subject because it's the same thing as your happiness level, you know? When they say that the lottery winner ultimately go back to the same level of happiness that they were before, I think you get just used to the new situation you're in. Now we are trying to do better stuff, so we are still imposter for some people, and that's fine. We just need to accept that we'll never be as good as we want to be, that there is always going to be things to learn and yeah that's also why it's exciting i mean uh, i'm glad you said that because i think sometimes we feel like we're not enough we're not enough we'll never be enough and stuff and but actually if you look at it from a kind of positive light like there's always stuff to learn there's always stuff to improve there's always areas to grow in you know whether that's in webflow or more generally and that's that's actually a really exciting thing rather than being like this treadmill oh i'm never enough like there's always people that are better than me just try and be a better version of you i think is is some really powerful advice sorry i don't know why i'm going all like zen buddha on you but but i'm just riffing here but like people must look up to you and be like hey how do i get good at gsap and like how can i get to where you are and you're like looking back like guys i'm not where i want to be i'm looking at those guys up ahead and then those guys up ahead are like ah, man, I want to be this person or this version. It's kind of like this constant circle of like, uh, you know, trying to be be better. 
But if you look at it from the point of view of personally trying to just improve and and grow, then I think it's quite it's quite helpful. But I'm glad you said that because you're an award winner, you know, and even after the awards, it's not like you're just chilling, being like, right, I'm just going to do a course and now sit back. You're you're trying to grow. Yeah, um, honestly, it's a bit of a big subject on, on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people are trying to, are, are saying, uh, I'm an award winner developer, I'm an award winning this. Honestly, the, the the goal with the studio and the goal I, I had this personal goal of getting wrong, because I think it was not an achievement but the proof that I was able to do some good work. So honestly, the, the first one felt good, but getting an award doesn't mean you're good. There's a lot of people who are not trying to get awards or who are doing amazing work. Uh, also, award is very niche, so there are rewards in a really specific type of project. So that's the the, the thing as well. And um, I think awards are great for visibility. It's not an angle to get an award because you need to be able to be proud of your work on its own. For for my portfolio, I didn't get an award, so I was a bit bummed. But I got a lot of visibility, a lot of uh, opportunities from that. So I think maybe not try to not put too much pride in getting awards. Uh, that would be a great thing <laughs> for newer, newcoming people. That's really interesting. So if anyone is is maybe striving to get a, a Webflow award. What you're saying is strive to do great work for you. Just be proud of what you're doing and don't let, you know, getting an award or not getting an award affect the work that you're doing. Just try and do great work. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, if, if your goal is to get an award and that's the only thing you want to do, do that. I mean, it's a challenge like any other challenge you could, you could get. What I want to say is that don't put everything you are or everything, all of your ego and pride into getting awards. And there's the thing as well where chasing awards might be counterproductive to your work because you're trying to do the work that awards will like instead of the work that you really want to do or the work that, that makes sense. So yeah, maybe be careful about that. Okay. Everyone does what do what they want. And Damn, that's <laughs> wise. Okay, so what you're saying is that just be aware that to win particular awards, there are particular, you know, websites that they're looking for in order to win those awards. And that might not actually suit your own design style or or just your your own goals might not align with, with what the rewards require for you to get that. So just be aware of that. Very interesting. But I mean... What has come from the awards? Can I can I ask that? I mean, in terms of exposure, everyone uses that word exposure. Clients will say, "Ah, oh, we've got I've got a hundred followers on Instagram." Or you know, you'll get loads of exposure. It's kind of a dirty word, a little bit. Like, has it has that exposure, as you've called it, helped once you've won those awards? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think. Honestly, it's one of the best way to get clients. So about the studio, I don't really know how many people came from the the side of the days we, we got. I know that personally, I didn't win the award, but just the fact that I was on the website, I got a lot of calls, a lot of messages, and I got some freelance work from that. I know there's a French freelance front-end developer as well who did a, a podcast. It was a, a French podcast the other day, but basically was saying that he did his, his first portfolio, didn't had any work before that, and he won the site of the day and his career started from that. So it's working really, really well. And 
honestly, if I had to start back working as a freelancer, no experience and nothing, I would not focus on trying to get these marketing skills to try to learn code emailing and these kind of things. I mean, you can learn them. It's always useful, but I would really try to improve my skill as a web front-end developer, do really, really great work, get an award, and then um, it's really useful, I think. Interesting. I think it's worth saying, though, that like your work is very... It's super visually appealing. Like It's full of color. It's full of beautiful photography. And it's the kind of thing that you go on awards, like as in awards a w a r d s type thing like it's very much like exactly in line with something that you know they're looking for something that you create so that so that makes a lot of sense for you but it might not make sense for someone that's you know trying to be an e-commerce website designer or trying to you know focus more on i don't know SaaS websites maybe that aren't necessarily so much about I mean aesthetics is obviously important but like driving conversions and stuff is is maybe something more tell me about failure number three then the inability to create content consistently and be visible on social media yeah uh, I think this one could be related to the first two the fact that I cannot focus on one thing specifically and that I'm lacking a bit of confidence sometimes. We actually talked about it on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I was asking for some advice because I think that you are doing a great job with, with this podcast, with yeah, with everything you're doing on Twitter. I think it's great. So I was trying to get some, some insight. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's really hard. I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. My biggest problem is that I feel like a lot of the content I'm reading online, especially on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, is always the same. I mean, maybe I did not build my network in the right way, but I don't feel like I'm learning anything on LinkedIn and that most people are trying to get value out of the platform instead of trying to give value to the people around them. And that's an issue I have. Awesome. Interesting. Okay, so... Can we backtrack a little bit? Because you've said the inability to create content consistently and be visible on social media. Why do you want to be creating content consistently and be visible on social media? Because maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I think a lot of people are just fine with that. But I think it's uh, the safest bet if you don't work in the future. Uh, build a community around you, build a network, get some visibility and then even though you want to do something else later, you still have that base. And uh, I think it's a really valuable asset to have. Again, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but it feels uh, like it's the best way to be safe in the future, if I can say that. And I can see that with the, the studio as well. I mean, we don't have a lot of subscribers on YouTube, but it's still bringing us a lot of opportunity and clients. So it looks like a, a good way of doing things. Yeah, no, it's just, I just think it's a really fascinating thing to, you know, try and, try and achieve because, you know, everyone is, is on social media for, for all sorts of different reasons. I mean, I think for me, the social aspect of being on social media is the biggest thing. I think a lot of the time people forget that it's, you know, if you're, if you're kind of a ghost on social media, then it's, it's actually not social. If you imagine being at a party and just walking around and just looking at everyone, Imagine just walking around the party, just the odd nod as if it was a virtual like, but not saying anything. 
I think it's kind of like that. So, so you know, being authentically yourself, or as much as you can authentically be, I think on social media is is hugely powerful because it's a little bit like going to a party and and meeting people and you know telling jokes and connecting and 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 stuff. So, so I think that's that's a hugely compelling reason to 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 make stuff that's valuable and share that on social. And in terms of what you share on social, I think this idea of of providing value is is really really powerful because imagine someone coming up to you and saying hi nice to meet you where are you from da 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 and you ask them a lot of questions and and then maybe at the end you you i don't know give them something like it might be something helpful or it might be something you say or it might be a compliment you're going to like that person like you 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 are going to like you're going to want to you know reciprocate ask them questions back and i think in the online space you know crazy opportunities have come from just trying to be present and and talk to people and encourage people and it's not even like i'm an amazing webflower in fact far from it i think i'm definitely in the i'd say the bottom third i'm in the the drudge but what i do see myself as is is more of a curator rather than a creator like i'm asking clever people like you difficult questions and then i'm sharing that with people and i and i'm writing articles and things so i think i've found my like voice online to a certain extent and maybe that has given you know me a little bit more confidence as i post more and more and vice versa with you you know you you're like to look at what your skill sets are and and how you can provide value i mean dude in the webflow space a hundred gazillion percent you're you you've got so much to share and so much so many nuggets so i have no doubt that you know um as you as you start sharing those things and and maybe receiving a dm saying hey i really appreciated that thanks so much you'll be like yeah okay this whole giving value thing helps you to kind of put yourself out there more and market yourself more i think this idea of marketing is a generous act like it's it's actually you're trying to help other people and that in turn will will help you i think it's helpful Sorry, I kind of went on a rant there, but I'm saying I want to, you know, encourage you to to post and share the value that you inherently have because you're an incredible guy. You know a shitload about a shitload. So share, share, share is my is my opinion. Honestly, I'm really impressed about how articulate your. It really struck me when you did your speech in Barcelona. I was like, fuck, this was good. Even in storytelling, I was actually curious if you were deliberate in how you told the story, if you learned that, or if it was just something you did. Oh, thanks, man. Okay. Well, this has changed sides. I, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's it's fine. It's good to it's good to have these conversations. I mean, hopefully the listener is, is interested. Storytelling is... I'm very much more interested in people that tell stories that in turn give lessons, right? I'm obsessed with podcasts like the Founders Podcast, How I Built This, indie bites like i'm listening to to entrepreneurs talk about their failures and and in turn i learn from that and i think if you can relate whatever you're whatever you want to tell people to a story that illustrates that it's a little bit like show don't tell you know i think a lot of people just give you facts like Doom, 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 and you're just there, like, okay, this is all helpful, but it actually doesn't help me to really understand it. 
Whereas when you tell a story, it really illustrates a point. So I try and tell stories as much as possible. I think it's a really helpful way of articulating what you're actually trying to tell people, which is the lesson from that story. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, that's super interesting. But yeah, I mean, everyone's got stories as well. Like, you know, you've got... You know, I didn't know about this hospitality stuff. Like, that's super interesting. You know, I'm sure that there's tons of relatable things from that that, you know, you've brought into your career at Tambien, which you might not consider as interesting, but it's super effective and helpful to share that personal stuff because we connect with that stuff. That's why people want to know the kind of analytical stuff that you know. They, because they connect with you on a human level. Like, the more I tell stories about me fucking up, the more I can ask people about their fuck-ups. Because I've, I've already told you about all my fuck-ups, and, you know, it's kind of easier. So we've already gone through three failures, but are you ready for the final question, which is a lot harder? I think you're ready, because I think you know what the next question is going to be. What is your next failure going to be i don't know man yeah. i don't have the answer to that just like the studio we just like yeah just like alex with the studio i've been thinking a lot about what i wanted to do honestly i don't know i don't just like your stories in barcelona i don't have like big failures i just say consistently over the time and there's something i was thinking about lately and especially after we talked on twitter was the fact that i'm overthinking way too much things so i think my goal for the next year is going to be to try things and to fail really quickly i was talking to you about starting a podcast i didn't do it by the way because that's what i do i think about stuff and then put it in the back of my mind um, dude we're gonna have another call about that this is what we need to do <laughs> but sorry carry and, on uh, and yeah and uh, actually i saw well i'm going a bit all over the place but there's a freelancer we are working with at Tambien who published something on Twitter this morning saying, oh, I had this dream. I was doing blog curation on Twitch. It was so great, na, na, na. And so Alex said, go do it then. It sounds amazing. And he was saying, yeah, maybe in the next month, I don't know. And I was thinking to myself, just do it next week. It's going to be great. If it's not, it doesn't matter, but just try it, see if it works. And I think that's what I will try to do in the next coming months. Thanks to Mayal for coming on the Web Flail pod and thanks to you lot for listening. The part of this episode that really stood out to me was when Mayal talked about the architect versus the craftsman's mindset. Now, as you heard, he says it's important to have a sense of the bigger picture, being able to zoom out, to know why you're doing the work that you're doing the big details, the blueprint, what connects what with what and the stages to go through to get there. But then balance that architect's mindset with this craftsman's mindset where you're focusing on the small details and really have the attention to nail the small things, to nail the the work. And if those two different mindsets can be held in balance as you move through life like a project manager and a designer on a project then no doubt 
whatever you put your mind to to try and tackle is more likely to succeed. You're more likely to move in the right direction. So it's balancing these two mindsets. Isn't that the most beautiful idea? God damn it, I love doing this podcast. Next week, I'll be interviewing Lucy Lulliard. We'll be talking about motivation, burnout, and learning to walk before running. Have a great week, web flavors. Thank you.